Sarvanasa. <clears throat> so before we begin our morning devotions, I'd like to just bring two points to mind, both I think very useful. One I heard many years ago, more than 40 years ago, from the abbot of the first monastery in which I was trained, in Dharamsala, has to do with the, the theme or the, yeah, the theme of all sentient beings, which we're going to be hearing a lot about when it comes to compassion, compassion for all sentient beings. Of course, that phrase comes up everywhere in Buddhism. You almost never hear the term mankind, well, you don't hear the word mankind or, or all, all human beings, hardly ever comes up. All sentient beings comes up a lot, a lot. And yet the word seems to be so vast that it almost has no content. To even try to imagine seven billion, be- seven billion human beings, like what actually comes to mind? And then all the animals, and how far down do they go? I mean, hi- hi- uh, you know, hydras, are they sentient beings? And then we have this hundred billion galaxies, and then we have the six realms of existence. So it's easy for the mind just to kind of go blank, you know, when we think of all sentient beings, you know, whoever. It's, kind of, it's just too big. But this abbot, Genlosen Gatso, really beloved teacher, incredibly, really very wonderful teacher, so, so clear and incredibly kind. He, when I asked him about this, he said, well, practically speaking, all sentient beings simply refers to everyone you, you encounter, in person or in your mind. If you can evenly have, keep your heart open in the spirit of loving kindness, compassion, empathy for everyone you meet, human and non-human, pleasing and unpleasing, virtuous and non-virtuous, if the heart is equally open. And that, that, that does it. It's almost like taking a poll. Like taking a poll. You know, we have, in, what, in Australia, what is that, 30 million people? Is it 30 million about? 23. 23, 23 million. Okay, well, I think they never do, a, they never interview 23 million people to do a poll in Australia. They'll take a sampling, right? A good sample, and the good pollsters know how to make a sample, so that if they interview 1,000 people, 10,000 people, then they have a pretty good idea what the 23 million are thinking, right? And so it's a sampling. Well, that's what we're doing. That's exactly what we're doing. You get a sampling, and if you have a good, if you're a good pollster of sentient beings, and you have a good sampling that is representative of all kinds of sentient beings, from the, you know, from the lowest to the highest, then that covers it. That covers it. And so in the practice we'll do, uh, I'm going to give a little variation during the, uh, how do you say, the latter part of this session, uh, we'll be focusing on that theme. Whatever sentient beings come to mind. So there's one point. There's another point, this whole coming back to this theme of imbued, imbued, that our practice may be imbued with bodhicitta. But I'm going to interrupt myself. Um, And I'm going to make a request, a very sincere request. I hope you will fulfill it, okay? Serious request. And that is, my mind is quite fast, relatively speaking. Uh, and that makes my mouth fast, you know. In fact, sometimes I get impatient that the mouth is so slow. Because <laughs> I just want to basically kind of throw a thun- thunderbolt of information at you. Just go, Pah! and then I just don't have to talk anymore. Because I much prefer to be silent than talk. So, Daniel, you ready? Here's the afternoon's evening talk for about 90 minutes. <laughs> yeah, now, we're, now we're just finished, you know. That's, that's what I would just like to download, hyperspeed. You know, that's what I really like to do. And not have this dragging out word after word after word after word. You're like, oh. But I don't know how to do that, you know. Mind to mind, 
hyperdrive transmission. I don't have it, and I'm not sure your, your hardware would manage it. <laughs> I, might, I might fry your circuits. <laughs> I'm not quite sure. But in either case, I'm not up for it. You're probably not up for it. So here we are. But you'll notice sometimes energy comes up and my mouth gets a bit fast. Well, I would like you to do a service for everyone here, not everyone here, but especially for all of the non-native English speakers here in the room, out of 50 people, but then quite a few others who are listening in Russia, in Brazil, in Argentina, and so forth and so on, who do not have English as a native language. They speak English, but not as a native speaker. Right? That you'll be doing everybody a service if, when I start going a bit fast, you give me a mudra. <laughs> and here's the mudra. You remember, you remember it? <laughs> I'm very happy with that. In other, words, you're not, it's, in other words, I'm requesting you to do this. So if you do this, it's not disrespectful or anything. It's just a good service to everybody. So there it is. You got the mudra? Don't do any other mudras like <laughs> this mudra. And then I will happily comply. Um, if I tell myself this, I don't remember, because I get it getting into the flow of things. And so when it goes a bit fast, and I'm really especially asking for non-native speakers, when it goes a bit fast, then just go like that, okay? And then I'll try to slow down. Okay? Good. So now, the theme of imbued, imbued. You're familiar with it. And you're familiar with it, it's not simply, not, not especially some religious thing that religious people do, where our actions are imbued with attitudes, with beliefs, with emotions, with aspirations. It happens all the time. It's totally ordinary. You know. When it comes to cultivating compassion, which is really absolutely the core of, one could say Buddha Dharma in general, but very specifically, the uh, the sadhana, the self-generation of Avalokiteshvara, ourselves as Avalokiteshvara. When it comes to cultivating compassion, uh, our practice is bound to be imbued with, it will be imbued with, our own sense of who we are. Who do you think you are? Who's doing the meditation, right? What's your base? What's your, you know, what's your, your platform? for engaging in the meditation. We're all bearing self-concepts. I mean, we can't help it. How do you avoid that? And that's not delusional in and of itself. But we are bearing a sense of who we are, what our abilities are, what we're good at, what we're not good at, how empathetic we are, how warm-hearted we are, how not warm-hearted we are, and so forth. But almost certainly, that sense of who we are is implanted in a sense of being a sentient being, rooted in the sense of being a sentient being, with all the limitations of that. That's going to limit the cultivation of compassion, especially if within a sentient being, within the context of being a human being, one feels, well, I'm just really not a very compassionate person, but nevertheless, I'll give it a good old try. I'll, I'll, I'll try. I'm not very compassionate, but I'll, okay. I'll, I'll go through the motions. It's not going to work very well. Not going to work very well. If that's your base, if that's what your practice is imbued with, a sense of a sense of self-identity that I don't really have much to bring here. OK? 
because I'm just not a very warm-hearted people. I know people like that, but I'm not one of them. If that's what you're bringing to the practice, that's going to be like sitting out on a race with a ball and chain around your ankle. You know, click up, click up, click up. It's going to be hard. And so what I'm suggesting here is we go into this practice, in this devotional practice, and then as we move into the sadhana avalokiteshvara, that we do an internal extreme makeover. Okay. We're all not about you know, materialistic, very outward-looking civilization. The, ex- the extreme makeover is almost entirely has to do with skin and fat and muscle and so forth. It's about as trivial as one can imagine, but for many people it's important. So there it is. Uh, of course, it's always a losing battle because you know you get to be 60 and above. You know. You're just not going to look that good. And it's only to get worse. So extreme makeover, yeah, extreme makeover is you die. That's the extreme makeover. <laughs> there was one, in the Pali Canon, there's a story of an incredibly beautiful woman, just extraordinarily, just gorgeous, radiant. And uh, the monks kept on looking at her out of the corner of her eye. Wow. <laughs> like, what a babe. <laughs> you know? And then she died. And then she died. She just suddenly, I don't know what it was, but it happens, you know. Young, gorgeous, radiantly beautiful. She died. And so they did what they commonly do. They just put her body out in the charnel ground. And just let it, you know, back to the elements. And the Buddha, not, he didn't tell his laymen, his lay disciples. He told his monks, monks, go out and hang out with a pretty lady for the next week or two. They got over the notion that she was beautiful real quickly. Because they're just watching her body slowly, doing what bodies do as they decompose day by day by day by day. It is absolutely not misogynist. It was absolutely not anti-women. It's anti-dehumanizing women. Because that's what it is when men are looking at a woman's body. Well, looking at women and just looking at the body and thinking of all the fun they could have with that body, that's dehumanizing. And so that's what he was doing. He was saying, monks, now look, look, look at this object that you're so attracted to. Look, look, she's having an extreme makeover. (laughs) That's what it is. So that's the outer, but now let's go where it's really important. The extreme makeover, the dissolution and the fresh creation. Of our sense of own, of our of our own sense of identity, and not in make believe, not fantasy realm. That empty out the very sense of being a sentient being, let alone cold-hearted, blah blah blah. All of the issues that we have around low self-esteem, empty it out. There's no one there. You're describing someone who's not there, some self-existent sentient being. Empty room, filled with a ghost of your own creation, an apparition a spooky, kind of disagreeable apparition. You made it, you dissolve it. It's like somebody pooping on the floor. You made the mess, clean it up. You, you made the mess, clean it up, right? So if you have low self-esteem, you made it, clean it up. Clean it out, empty room, out of empty room. Imagining your body is empty, literally empty, luminous. A rainbow-like body, remember that from yesterday? A body like a rainbow appearing and having no substance. You appearing and having no substance. Empty, luminous, pure. And from that vantage point, from that platform, 
then generate compassion. Internal extreme makeover. Totally authentic. And it doesn't take weeks and months and months of working out in the gym. You can do it instantly. You know. Dissolve that which you created. Fresh, open, transparent, luminous, pure of the nature of loving kindness. And from that basis of I am, with my mind indivisible, from that of Guru Maje, it's going to be much easier to cultivate compassion, to arouse compassion from that platform than something that's very different from that. Okay? So please find a comfortable position. And here's what I would suggest, and that is we all have different bodies. And some bodies get some bodies get quite uncomfortable in the sitting position quite quickly. And so I don't want you to be in a state of discomfort. It just does it's not helpful. So when we finish the devotions, if you're already uncomfortable, then by all means just move. I'll, I'll tell you when. You'll know when. And then move to find something more comfortable. Knowing that we're about at least one-third through the practice already, we only have about 60 minutes or so to go at that point, if you're relatively comfortable, then for this session, what I would suggest is, if you're fairly comfortable, then just stay there. If you're not, of course, just go to positions that's more comfortable. You'll call. Okay? That's good. Namo, in the Lama, who is the embodiment of the Sugatas, of the nature of the Three Jewels, I, together with the beings of the Six Realms, take refuge until our enlightenment. For the sake of all beings, I generate the spirit of awakening and cultivate the realization of the Lama as Buddha. By means of enlightened activity, I shall train each being according to their needs, and I vow to liberate the world. Sambema Gesa Dombola 
Yamsen Shokim Mudurne Bema Jone Shesuta Kodu Kando Mambu Koi Kiki Jesu Datu Ki Jingye Lapchi Shaksu Guru Bema Sidi northwest frontier of Uddiyana, in the heart of a lotus, sits the one renowned as Padmasambhava, who achieved the wondrous supreme city, and is surrounded by a host of many dakinis. Following in your footsteps, I devote myself to practice. Please come forth and bestow your blessings. Guru Pemasiddhi Hum. Take the four self-empowerments as you've done before. Dissolve the body, speech, and mind of Guru Rinpoche with your own body, speech, and mind. Imagine yourself in your own form, but immaterial, like a holographic image cast in your own form, your own appearance, but utterly empty of substance, shimmering, translucent, light. 
And imagine the source of this light that illuminates this field of the body. Be this orb, this radiant white orb at your heart, symbolizing your own Buddha nature and pristine awareness. So your whole body, your body, mind, your whole being here is like a lamp lit from within, from this inexhaustible source. With your own awareness indivisible from that of Padmasambhava, indivisible from that of Avalokiteshvara, the embodiment of compassion of all the Buddhas. And therefore the mind of all the Buddhas of the three times symbolized in this radiant orb of light at your heart. With your awareness utterly at ease, loose and relaxed, gently, with the slightest bit of effort, maintain this visualization. And settle your mind in its natural state, resting your awareness in its own ground, still and clear. And from this platform, from this luminous embodiment, direct your awareness to the space of the mind. without visualizing anyone or anything, just rest. And for the remaining minutes of this session, simply see who comes to mind. Living or dead, loved ones or strangers, friends or enemies, human or non-human. See who comes knocking on the door of your mind. And when the appearance of someone does manifest there, by way of the appearance, attend to the sentient being. Attend closely to the actual sentient being, him or herself. A single sentient being, or it could be many, whoever comes to mind. Attend to them by way of the images that come to mind. Let them linger, invite them in. And as you breathe out, breathe out from your heart the light of loving kindness, the gentle and soft wish 
May you be well. May you be well and happy. And as your breath flows in, imagine whatever difficulties, sufferings, pains, challenges, misfortunes these individuals may be experiencing. Imagine this in the form of a dark cloud. As you breathe in, arouse the aspiration. May you be free of suffering and its causes. Imagine that darkness dissolving without trace in the light at your heart. Breathing out the light of loving kindness. With each in-breath, arousing compassion and breathing in the darkness and extinguishing it in this inexhaustible source of light at your heart. As the minutes pass, other sentient beings will come to mind. One by one, group by group, invite them in, wherever they may be, and practice evenly. And let's continue practicing now in silence.
Release all appearances and aspirations and let your awareness rest in its own nature. In the seven-point mind training, that stems from Atisha, Narita Atisha, he does something quite unusual uh, in terms of the sequence of the teaching. In most of the teachings, the Lamrims, and really Lamrims in all the four schools by whatever name, there's the teachings on renunciation, the teaching on bodhicitta, and then comes the very profound and very challenging teaching on the authentic view, the view of the middle way of Madhyamaka, the teachings on emptiness. So it's a very natural, very meaningful progression. Uh, but in the seven-point mind training, which is said to be for those individuals of sharp faculties, uh, he reverses that. And after a very brief preamble, he goes right into the teachings on ultimate bodhicitta, which in this context is the teachings on emptiness and dependent origination. <clears throat> and those teachings, without giving a whole talk on it, just the beginning and the end of it. And the beginning of it is, I remember quite clearly in Tibetan, Chunam Milam Taburta. View phenomena, just all the appearances, everything that's manifesting as being like a dream. Appearing to be really out there, but that appearance is misleading. Misleading. So sustain that. This is another kind of, kind of enriched mindfulness. It's not just being aware of what's happening from moment to moment. Marmots do that. Deers do that. Kangaroos do that. You know, moment to moment, what's happening? When that great big stud kangaroo sees me coming along, it's moment to moment awareness. Moment awareness. I see he's practicing. You know, <laughs> probably better than I. I bet he has fewer thoughts buzzing around in his mind than I have in mine. It's just a guess, but you know, I bet he does. And so that is kind of like not a whole lot of mileage in that. I mean, it's good, it's better than rumination, but if you think that's a path, I'm, I think you're sorely mistaken. That's not Vipassana, it's silly. So enriched mindfulness is taking some insight and bearing it in mind, some sustaining it. If this is not true, then forget, of course. But if this is true, that if, in fact, all these phenomena that appear to be really out there, in fact, are not, then sustain that, hold that thought, as if they were dreams. These are not dreams, but as if they're dreams, dream-like they are. That's the report from those who have gained direct realization of emptiness. Just like we listen to astronomers, and when they tell us there are planets around other stars, we might want to pay attention, because they know more about than we do. Aryas know more about this stuff than we do. You know, whether it's a Shravaka Arya, Mahayana Arya, or a Vidyadhara, they know more about this than we do. That's what they've been doing. That's what they're good at, right? 
And those who've gained direct realization of emptiness, when they come out and they're engaging in their post-meditative experience, they say, this is what it looks like. All these phenomena are truly like dreams. That is, in fact, true. And they see them as such. So we're seeking to emulate that. Already there. We're seeking to take the fruition as the path. Haven't gained that realization yet? Okay. Fake it till you make it. You know, do your best approximation. In other words, not pretending. If you don't believe it's true, then don't do it. But your best approximation. Sustain that flow of all these appearances arising as if in a dream. That's how he begins it. And then he ends, and that's where I'll end, is then when he's finished the, the real formal, the instructions on formal meditative practice while you're in meditative equipoise, nyamsha. And you're about to go to jetop, jetop, that is the post-meditative experience. Then he says, oh, in between sessions, act as an illusory being. Act as if you were in an apparition, as if you were just a matrix of empty appearances. Just kind of appearing and appearing and just appearing, but like a ghost, like an apparition, like just empty appearance. Be like that. Empty and yet appearing. That's a good preamble. If we're going to be practicing effectively these teachings on Avalokiteshvara, then it would be good to establish a new baseline. And the baseline is not going back to business as usual in between sessions, reifying ourselves, our ordinary sense of con- our own ordinary sense of identity, ordinary sense of body, reifying everything. And oh yes, now I'm Avalokiteshvara. It's going to be a radical, very abrupt and harsh discontinuity to the point of absurdity. Like okay, something's got to give here, you know. Either throw out the Avalokiteshvara or throw out this reified sense of yourself. I would opt for the latter. So at the very least, empty, 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 clean house, keep on cleaning house, sweeping out, sweeping out the reified sense of I am, my body, my mind, sweeping it out, sweeping out. You made it, you made the mess, clean up the mess, sweep it out. And so at least it's empty. So when we are inviting in Padmasambhava, when we're inviting in Avalokiteshvara, that we're in, like inviting a guest. And if you're ha- inviting a very noble guest, my wife does this especially, she's so good. I'm sloppy and lazy. But whenever we have guests, oh, she cleans the house like crazy. <laughs> Every single room, they might look in the room. <laughs> she is so, she's European, you know, I think my, even more than American. Boy, she's. <sighs> They're just our friends, that's you know. They're just our friends, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clean the house. Clean the house. So that's good. It's a good habit. I'm just lazy. But she's really good. So clean house. Before you invite Padmasambhava in, clean house. Before you invite Avalokiteshvara in, clean house. At least have a nice empty space for them. Right. That'd be good. Oh, not so. So, see you later. <laughs>